Welcome back to the Major Journey Podcast. Today's guest is a medical cannabis educator and resource consultant who also hosts a podcast called Let's Talk Cannabis, a platform designed to educate and inspire an ongoing discussion about the healing potential of medical cannabis treatment. A lot of her work and focuses on overcoming the opioid crisis, educating individuals on how the endocannabinoid system works and how it impacts the human body, stigma surrounding the medical cannabis treatment options available to folks, barriers to receiving proper treatment, and so much more. And so without further ado, Sherry Bennett, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning, Mike. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. I first you heard so about much. you on, on Miguel's podcast, and uh, you're a fascinating guy. So thank you. I'm truly honored to be here. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think it's just, it's, um, it's definitely a blessing to be, a, to be able to connect with folks like yourself. Uh, who are just, you know, creating a big impact in, in the cannabis industry and more importantly, the cannabis community, as I like to call it. Um, so, Sherry, I think, you know, just a great place to start is with what attracted you to the cannabis industry and the cannabis community, more specifically, the medical uh, cannabis community that kind of ignited your your drive and your passion and spark to to do what you're doing today. Well, uh, 10 years ago, I, I launched my business, Bayview Concierge, and it was um, a business to a referral business to help seniors, uh, basically, with, uh, you know, nursing care, if they had to recover from operations or uh, things like that. And, and I got more and more requests uh, to, for mostly for from elder women clients to get them legal access to medical cannabis because they thought it, you know, somebody told them that it would help their arthritis. And I was thinking about it for myself for many years. Mm -hmm. So I just dove into the research and um, I found um, huge success in my own treatment. I started taking um, medical cannabis myself about, I would say seven years ago, six or seven years ago. And, and studied the medical science and I did experiments on myself. And I frankly have had significant results uh, in, tr in contrast to the, you know, uh, typical antidepressants and sleeping pills that well-meaning doctors um, prescribe for us. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so, and especially for people um, with, uh, that live with uh, a diagnosis of PTSD, post-traumatic stress uh, well, they call it disorder. I don't call it a disorder. It's a, it's an actual brain injury. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's such a legitimate medicine. We know we have the evidence now. Uh, and it has helped so many people uh, just to minimize suffering and to offer a better quality of life, frankly. And unfortunately, many people don't know that yet. So I'm trying very hard to be the voice of trauma, <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> because, you know, medical cannabis can be a, a very, very helpful tool and, and medicine for those of us who live with, uh, with those symptoms. So that's the short story. Um, and uh, I just am grateful for any opportunity that I can uh, get the word out because frankly, the, you know, the endocannabinoid system is a system, it's a monumental part of human physiology. And many doctors are still not um, taught about this, you know, huge part of uh, the human body in medical mm -hmm. schools. This is due to the, 
the uh, the outdated laws. So I'm trying very hard to educate doctors and um, and the community and and lawyers, uh, because if one takes medical cannabis, for instance, um, and gets fired from work, uh, it could be a human rights violation, because this is legitimate medicine. We know we have the evidence, and um, it's helped so many people. And so I started like I've had I've come across a lot of stigma over the years when I've talked to. Um, you know, communities. And um, I talk to typically human resource professionals and uh, labor relations managers, uh, property managers. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of a lot of stigma due to the lack of education. So that's the that's what's missing is the correct factual medic, uh, sorry, education about uh, medical cannabis treatment. Yeah, and I yeah, and so I and I think what you're doing with your show, Let's Talk Cannabis, I think that is another piece of the, the humongous puzzle that needs to be filled and patched up in regard to education and bringing the right sources of information to the forefront and to the mainstream. Can you tell us a little bit about Let's Talk Cannabis and, and that entire initiative and what you're, yes. what you're doing there? Yes, so um, Let's Talk Cannabis is an educational platform. See, we were prohibited from talking about this. And because of the stigma and the fear surrounding this plant medicine, you know, people are, are afraid. And I'm trying to, to give it a voice right now. So I've talked to um, hundreds of doctors in Canada and the United States and thousands of patients, frankly, and I've collected um, a lot of uh, you know, individuals with uh, unique life stories. So um, I started Let's Talk Cannabis with Doctors podcast a couple of months ago, and we have about five episodes under our belt right now. Uh, I've interviewed uh, doctors, lawyers in the space, and, um, and other patients and educators. So we're going to be launching that this Monday, October 17th, because it happens to be the fourth anniversary of uh, when Canada legalized cannabis across the board um, federally. So for recreational purposes, for medical use, um, can cannabis has been legal in Canada since 2001. So um, yeah, we're just trying to um, iron out all the, <laughs> all the little, uh, the details right now, but uh, Canada seems to be leading the way, and I'm. Uh, I want to give the you know voices to the doctors, the ones who are self-taught and are specialists in cannabinoid medicine. Uh, like my co-host, Dr. Barbara Mainville, has uh, years of experience prescribing uh, cannabinoid medicine, and also thirty years of experience working for the coroner of Ontario here, coroner's office. So, um, you know, she is one of the few doctors that, that know about this monumental part of human physiology that is not yet taught in, in med schools. Uh, that's going to change very soon because, uh, you know, uh, doctors are learning mostly from their patients, you know, that uh, cannabis does not kill people um, in contrast to some of the... Um, uh, you know, antidepressants and pain medications that that well-meaning doctors are prescribing. 
So yeah, there's a there's a lot to talk about. There are layers of uh, of issues to talk about, and then we can't forget those uh, the injustice, the injustice of the laws, you know, and how the laws were really crafted on non scientific racist propaganda. And unfortunately, big business got in the way. And, um, you know, before that, cannabis had a safety profile of 6,000 years. You know, doctors were prescribing it, you know, hundreds of years ago in all parts of the world. And uh, it's just recently been um, prohibited in the last 90 years. So uh, here in Canada, I mean, we have... um, you know, in the United States, um, it was a man called uh, Harry Anslinger, head of the the uh, Drug Enforcement Agency, who unfortunately was an extreme racist, and he was behind all the uh, the cannabis prohibition here in Canada. It was um, one of our very first female judges, believe it or not. Uh, you know, in the early 1920s. She was called a police magistrate at that time. Her name is Emily Murphy. And she actually was, um, she's very, uh, you know, celebrated in our in our capital, uh, in Ottawa, with a statue. She's one of the women that got women the right to vote in the early 1920s. However, it didn't include women of Asian background or uh, people of color uh, or Indigenous women. So... Uh, there's, you know, a lot of injustice uh, surrounding this plant medicine that has been maligned and misunderstood for for uh, a generate well for a century now, almost a century. So I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to deliver correct factual information and um, evidence based science, and then of course we can't ignore the voices of the patients. So giving the patients a voice is uh, and I met so many wonderful people, you know, that their their heart is in it. Their heart is in it to help others uh, in this industry and help make suggestions for what they can um, they can take in terms of methods of consumption, because there's many methods of consumption too. So that's that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, we know that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, so I was I was just going to ask what how would you describe the the medical the medical cannabis um, market scene community possibly even also like the stigma that's associated in your area in in Canada because I'm in the U S and so right. I'm just very curious right. to see what the difference is between the stigmas associated with medical cannabis here versus possibly in Canada given the fact that there is a little bit more legality in Canada at a federal level versus uh, at the government level versus what's going on here in the U S yes. Well, (laughs) the recreational market um, is uh, it's a billion dollar industry. I mean, the whole cannabis industry is uh, I think it's a hundred billion dollar industry really in Canada. um, The, 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 the view is that, you know, recreational cannabis is just for, you know, partying on the weekend. The fact is that, you know, cannabis, whether one takes it for recreational purposes um, or to treat their migraine headaches, it's still medicine. 
the human body doesn't know the intention of the human being, right? So right. there's a lot of people that are um, that are uh, turning to cannabis medicine because they know, uh, well, they learn very quickly that it can help manage anxiety. And um, what are we faced with now in this pandemic? Uh, a lot of anxiety and fear and uh, trauma, frankly. You know, um, and I'm finding that um, the the seniors, uh, my senior clients, people over the age of 55 and beyond are um, the largest demographic of people that are turning to cannabis uh, because it does help so much with, uh, you know, arthritis and sleep disruption. And really, you can't heal from anything um, if you can't sleep. So, um there's a lot of opportunities now for companies to, um, you know, you know, make products specifically for uh, for the senior population. And um, in order to do that, though, we still have to work hard to eradicate the stigma because people are afraid. And I have, uh, you know, a lot of people in my network that so they're worried. Oh, what will the neighbors think? Or what will my right. children think? <laughs> Some some are getting it from their children, getting it from their grandchildren, because they don't want their privacy compromised, you know, if, if they go into a cannabis store and purchase it on their credit card, for instance. Right. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of things going on, a lot of barriers. Like patients have a, a constellation of obstacles, really. Um, and then and then price. You know, how how do you um, we have I think more I think we have more cannabis stores. I'm in Toronto area, just a little bit north of Toronto. I was reading the other day, we have more cannabis stores or cannabis shops um, than our Tim Hortons coffee shops. I wow. mean, like there, there is a big um, market for cannabis right now. And so um, I'm trying to advocate for people to make sure they get clean cannabis you know, um, products that are that are tested, because if one consumes cannabis that is untested, it's, it's it can be very dangerous, not because of the cannabis, but from the contaminants that it could could contain in it. Like, right. for instance, I, I, I support people who, who try to grow it from home. But you really, really need to learn what you're do you, you really need to know what you're doing. Because, um, you know, you can get mold and and uh, contaminants in the in the flower if if you if you don't know how to grow it and the appropriate fertilizer to use so yeah for uh more and more people are going to be turning to it because as i've said over and over cannabis does not come with the risk of life-threatening addiction or lethal overdose unlike opioids and uh, we have a really bad problem with um a drug overdoses and a toxic drug supply here in Canada, unfortunately. Yeah. And you, so Sherry, one of the, one of the things that you're very passionate about is how uh, there was a statistic that there are actually more opioid deaths than there were COVID deaths. Yeah. And so that really, it really just kind of emphasizes how, how just, I can't even come up with a word for it, but just terrible the opioid crisis is and how severe that issue is. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what you've come across through your research, through your findings, as far as, 
you know, wh where we are currently with the opioid crisis, which is something that I feel like doesn't necessarily get talked about as much as it should be. And also yeah. kind of where we're at as far as cannabis being looked at as a viable treatment or solution to help patch up some of the, the damage that's been done from the opioid crisis. Yeah, it's very serious here. And um, um, the thing is, opioids, um, what happens is if you look at the, the root cause of why people get addicted to drugs in the first place, there's always some underlying trauma, somebody, you know, some kind of underlying trauma. And people are trying to, to minimize their, um, their symptoms of nightmares and flashbacks and anxiety off the Richter scale. This is something that I know on a very personal level. And, um, and they get at the doctor, well-meaning doctors prescribe, you know, uh, here, like say for instance, Percocet or um, Tylenol threes, people like um, drugs that have codeine in it and um, very, very addictive. One can get addicted to those in, in, you know, five days or so. And so now the doctors here are instructed not to overprescribe. And so some patients can't get their, their prescriptions renewed. So they go to the street right. and typically um, they are these uh, counterfeit um, pain medications that are laced with fentanyl. And fentanyl is a drug that one granule can, can kill. And unfortunately, over the past decade, I've had um, eight friends who have lost their children due to accidental opioid overdose. And they're not, these kids are not drug addicts. They just um, accidentally take something that their friend gives them. And, uh, and it was laced with fentanyl. Uh, and fentanyl, what happens is that it affects the part of our brain that tells us when to breathe. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the truth, the fact is that cannabis cannot kill you. It cannot kill you. You cannot die because um, it, it doesn't have, it doesn't work the same way as, we need opioids. We need, you know, pain medication. If I, if I break my arm, for instance, and I need to have it reset, I'm going to need opioids to put me out. Uh, I'm going to, right? If I have kidney stones, I'm going to need morphine. Mm -hmm. But short-term, short-term opioids are very effective. Long-term cannabis is the, um, the healthiest approach. And for those of us that live with um, a diagnosis of PTSD, cannabis is a necessary medicine you know, with life-saving, um, I would say, I would go so far as to say it's life-saving benefits, you know, because some of these antidepressants that the well-meaning doctors are prescribing us, they come with suicidal ideation, like well-known drugs like uh, Xanax, for instance, or Prozac, Effexor, uh, Paxil. I'm just naming a few off the top of my head. They could be very, very effective. For some, but they come, they could come with a side effect of suicidal ideation. So people feel very numb and uh, and no joy left in life. And um, some want to, you know, to end their lives because they just don't feel that life is worth, you know, living. And I want to give people hope that that you know, you know, one can 
reduce their opioid consumption or one can, if, if one has physician oversight, if you have a doctor that's uh, helping you, one can reduce their um, pain medications or sleeping pills or whatever. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see it in um, retirement homes, you know, because frankly, um, you know, when I visit clients, elder clients in a retirement residence, you find people are just, it looks like they're, they're tranquilized, they're sedated, given drugs over drugs, and then drugs to, uh, to minimize the side effects from the drugs. <laughs> so, so it's, I think it would be great. There's some really great science coming out of Israel. Israel has the best uh, science for cannabinoid medicine, but I think they're doing some studies in, in, uh, in retirement homes over there too. It'd be, it would be great. So this is the things we, topics we talk about with, um, with the doctors and lawyers and patients on my podcast. So I'm really, uh, really uh, hoping it will gain momentum. I'm, I have a really good feeling that it will because of the, uh, the wonderful people that I have uh, attracted in my network. And uh, they're helping me too. We, I can't do this alone. None of us can do this alone right? We need to join forces and join our voices and help to educate the medical community. And, um, and I believe so strongly in the power of stories and the power of lived experience. And I've learned so much from Miguel's podcast, you know, um, his podcast, Cannabis and Christianity. I've, le- I've learned so much from your podcast. Um, I listen to others, the, the voices of others, and uh, you know, none of us know everything, and it's it's a journey. <laughs> it's, it's really, you know, it's a journey. I I listen to um, Montel Montel Williams has a podcast called uh, Let's Be Blunt, mm-hmm. and what I learned from one of his recent uh, podcasts was that we really do have more research and more data on cannabis. Than we do on aspirin. I didn't know that before. I didn't know that either. So I didn't know that. And um, and I always tell, uh, you know, and I'd like to ask the question uh, the next time I have a lawyer on my podcast, um, you know, the government, the U.S. government has known that cannabis is medicine for a long time. And in 2001, they, um, they patent, they patented cannabinoid medicines, um, you know, 6630507, if anybody wants to, to look that up. Here in Canada, we have thousands of patents for, you know, the use of cannabinol, sorry, CBD and THC in the treatment of brain cancer. So there's tons and tons of research out there. Um, a lot of uh, really good doctors that are trying to do research, but are finding, you know, barriers uh, with the, the current laws, the current, the current laws. So I don't know how uh, we're going to have to uh, dismantle the laws over time. I don't know how we're going to get through a century of prohibition and abuse fast. But the damage done by prohibition has been comprehensive. And the war on drugs in my opinion, is it, it was a war against traumatized people. So the damage, as I said, has been comprehensive. So the solutions have to be just as comprehensive. And I think 
we all have to work together to to get the word out and to to teach people uh, the truth, the correct factual information. So uh, that's that's it. Um, you know, I I I have seen such success. You know, success stories with uh, with with patients and uh, and. Uh, even people with Alzheimer's and dementia, believe it or not, if you add a little tiny bit of CBD into their treatment protocol, you'll find that they can, you know, come back to life for a little bit or, or find some joy and happiness and, and uh, remember something positive from childhood. <laughs> so, yeah, I've seen, and, and for, for people like veterans and uh, people who have been uh, sexually assaulted, for instance, you know, it can help people become friendly with life again. Mm. And uh, so you know, we have um, here in Canada, too, unfortunately, we have a big problem now with Hockey Canada, sexual assault in the sports, right? In, and uh, in the military, the Canadian military, and our, unfortunately, our, uh, our CMP, our police. Uh, so it's not, it's not just, you know, this is not just a problem, a Canadian problem, but see, nobody wants to talk about these things. And yet um, people are, be, are, are dying every day. I think we have now, I think 25 deaths by opioids every day here in Canada, wow. here in Canada. And, um, and cannabis can be part of the solution. There are um, good people uh, and, uh, and cannabis growers in Vancouver um, Canada that are giving out high dose edibles to help people who are addicted to opioids, um, you know, manage their withdrawal symptoms and, and uh, reduce their opioid consumption. So yeah, we have a big problem. And it has to, um, it has to start with education, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, no, though, you just hit on some really, really important, important pieces right there. And one, one thing that I'm actually interested in, in what you said in particular was the the population of patients dealing with Alzheimer's and dementia and how mm -hmm. you mentioned that, you know, just dropping a little bit of CBD into part of their regimen could really drastically improve their quality of life. And I'm just curious, have you looked into into that particular category uh further or what what's been your experience as far as like the research goes in in that um, aspect because that, that's something that's very interesting to me yeah this is something that dr um dr barbara mainville knows about and she talks about how cannabis can regenerate brain cells in some cases and um also dr joseph rosato um is studying that i believe so i will um i will uh, you know, delve more into that research. But right now, my my whole focus is um, uh, those of us that like, live with trauma, trauma. And I'm, I I have a theory that a lot of people perhaps have been traumatized so much that maybe when they get to a certain age, they don't want to remember anymore, mm. and their brains just shut down. I don't know, but uh, there definitely is uh, research out there. But again, the researchers and the doctors are restricted because of the laws right now and uh, they're not 
able to access the uh, clean cannabis medicine to um, to do their clinical trials with patients. And um, so that's changing too. We have uh, some really good licensed producers here in Canada that are um, growing um, organic cannabis medicine. And uh, uh, it's important. And, and I'm very, very, um, I'm a strong advocate, advocate for our First Nations people. And we have, um, you know, several medical cannabis dispensaries here in Canada that are organically grown flower uh, and grown by our indigenous communities. So, yeah. And who knows, who knows more about cannabis than our First Nations people, peoples right. in North America, right? They know more actually than most doctors. I would go so far as to say that some of these um, cannabis growers know more about cannabis medicine than most doctors in North America. And that is a very sad thing to me. Like, can you imagine going to your doctor and you have a, a digestive problem and he doesn't know anything about the digestive system right. in, the, in the body, right? The, you know, the, every single human being has an endocannabinoid system. And its main role, the key role of the endocannabinoid system is to balance all the other systems in the body, you know? And um, we have, you know, our respiratory system, our cardiovascular system, you know, our nervous system, uh, immune system. Like, I mean, I, I, I go through all these in, in my seminars here. It's just tragic that because of the current laws that medical professionals are not taught about this monumental part of basic human physiology. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where we go into we go into this discussion um, in our in our podcast. Let's talk cannabis with doctors, because um, I, I don't have the academic credentials that you do, but I have a Ph.D. in life experience. And so what I've done is uh, gathered together people with, uh, you know, um, a, a long list of academic credentials to to help me like to interview and to help go through these questions there's a lot of a lot of questions a lot of things we have to work out and a lot of good doctors that are doing really good things for their patients and going beyond the call of duty uh, to be self-taught and learn about why is this medicine working so well for them so yeah i think um there is some that think that um the medical uh, stream of cannabis, like the recreational stream is more financially lucrative. Uh, my belief is that the medical stream will not be left behind. It has to, it has to excel, you know, because um, the policy, mem the policy makers, you know, other doctors, lawyers, patients, they all have children too. They all have to know that, um, if we don't solve this problem of opioid addiction, and uh, if we don't start looking at the root cause and treating people for trauma, then uh, we're going to have um, we're going to have some some problems. Some more, it's just going to it's it's like a wildfire. 
right now here in Canada, unfortunately. Yeah, so um, I don't have the answers, but I love to I love to talk about this subject, and I love to bring on the uh, the people with that are right in the front lines of of the research and the ones that deal with thousands of patients. You know, so it's good and, yeah, and wonderful, I, wonderful people. Yeah, I know. I greatly appreciate everything that that you do and just the effort and the time and the energy that goes into, you know, finding and, and reaching out to these folks who really have a lot of the information that so many of us are looking for and then curating it and having these discussions with folks. It's just, it's, I think it, it that's a huge part of, of what we need. And when I say we, I mean, everybody from the doctors to the patients, because a lot of times I, I think to myself and say, well, doctors and researchers are, everyday people just like us they have the yes. same thoughts they have the same questions maybe in a, in a little bit more sophisticated manner they might be thinking about certain things related to their expertise but they look at podcasts all the time they 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 turn to to resources like these the same way that we do whenever we want to find out more information about things like this so i think this is yes. a huge piece of the puzzle and I want to thank you for taking the time out today to join me and thank you for putting together Let's Talk Cannabis, that educational platform for folks. So Sherry, I want to ask, what's the best way for folks to reach out and connect with you who are interested in, in learning more about Let's Talk Cannabis or maybe just have questions that you might be able to point them in the right direction to? Sure, that's what I do. Well, I'm on LinkedIn, Sherry Bennett, as a medical cannabis educator and resource consultant. Um, or you can reach me through my website, letstalkcannabis.ca. And of course, the CA is for Canada, but um, I talk to people all over the world. And, uh, and once again, I'm so very grateful for this opportunity. And I would just like to um, encourage people to please, um, once my podcast is launched, Let's Talk Cannabis with Doctors, like let's put it all over the world. If anybody wants to um, come on my uh, uh, my my show, we will. Um, if you're doing research or doing something amazing in the cannabis industry that people want that need to hear, then I want to you know be able to spread our voices far and wide across the planet because there's still so much injustice, uh, and uh, we're lucky to live in North America. But other countries are opening up slowly, like Thailand, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, and it'll happen. And and when it does, and when the U.S. opens up, uh, you know, federally across the board, legalizes it, then you'll see the floodgates of research opening even more, and uh, and and more and more people will be learning about this um, this medicine that doesn't kill people, you know. So <laughs> that's the short story. <laughs> A plant medicine that does not kill. And I just want to also say, too, um, there's a really fantastic series out on the Disney Channel now called Dope Sick. And it's starring Michael Keaton. And he um, it, it's all about the, um, the opioid crisis and uh, how people can addicted, get addicted to opioid medication very quickly and about the Sackler family. So it, it's, a, it's important education, too. Um, a really good series on the Disney Channel, if anyone wants to, to look at that. And also, um, I think it's HBO has a series called uh, Crime of the Century and um, Empire of Pain. 
Like people need to understand how quickly we can get addicted to all these uh, um, drugs very, very rapidly. And, um, and yet, yes, we need them, but in, in for short term. Yeah, short term. That's my thing. So thank I love you. it. Thank you, thank you so Sherry. We, re we really, really appreciate it. And um, thank you so much for joining us again. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Major Journey Podcast. We will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on PodConnex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.